Hi, Kevin Horgan here from Ladybird Driving School. You're very welcome to our podcast, Learn with Ladybird. Today, we're going to be speaking with former RSA driving tester, Audrey Coogan. We'll be drilling down into the main reasons why pupils are failing the test, top five or seven reasons that continuously pupils are, are failing on. And also, I want to speak to, to Audrey about the consistencies of, of marking, of tester markings, okay? So I'm very, very happy to, to be speaking with Audrey because it's going to give everybody an insight uh, and tips on how to prevent yourselves making their mistakes. So without further ado, here we go. Audrey Coogan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kevin. So listen, really, really, I'm delighted that you, you've agreed to come on and talk because um, it's something that's really, really important. And it's something that I've always wanted to, to speak to somebody who has previous experience as a tester, right? So, so just, just so that everybody knows, give us a little bit of history on your career so far from becoming an starting as an instructor, then testing, and now back as an instructor again. Yeah, so I've been te- um, instructing for about 17 years now. Before that, my dad's an instructor and my granddad was a tester. So right. there's a bit of history there. It was all, road safety is so important in mm. us and our family. And that was instilled to us at a very young age. Um, and then as I came to my 20s, someone just said, would you not try teaching? And I did, and I absolutely loved it. But I, because I was so young doing it, I thought, you know, I could connect with people my own age and get that road safety into people to get that mm-hmm. mindset, you know, yeah. to, to drive safely and be good at it. And, you know, mm-hmm. make it a thing that, you know, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. It's not, yeah. it's well, not no, the whole person, you know, teaching you and... You know, it's, oh, I have to do this, like school. It's something that's enjoyable. You're learning mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. So I went on then um, to work with the Irish Wheelchair Association in their Learning to Drive program. Very and good. I learned so much from them, you know, uh, drivers with, with special needs, disabled drivers. Um, that's where, where you learn to listen. And you spend a little bit of time with your student and you have to, assess their ability and assess their understanding and once they understand what they're supposed to be doing then it's only a matter of practice so that has actually really helped me in in teaching over the last couple of years instead of just rhyming off what what you want done and expect mm. people to do it you, you have to give them that time to yeah know, to let it sink in and i suppose um i had done that for about 14, 15 years, and the opportunity came up then um, as a temporary tester with the RSA. And I said, ah, yeah, I'm going to give give this a go. I, I just I want to know a little bit more. And I suppose there's not a huge amount of opportunity for us to move up the ladder in what we do, you mm. know, apart from kind of teaching in different categories. So yeah. um, I went for it as a, as a temporary tester, and I spent a year there last year year before um working um with the rsa and you know kind of getting a better understanding of where they stand on things and, and yeah. it's road safety it just comes down to road safety and making sure that when you assess people that you're satisfied that when they leave the test center that they're going to be safe on the road 
know. Yeah. And and what we're gonna what we're gonna drill sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's kind of where we are. That's it's still there. That's what they're doing. Yeah, so what 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 I want to achieve today for, for us is to get some type of a message home to people who are failing the driving tests but don't know really why. Okay. And with your insight and knowledge and experience, hopefully we can um, make it easier for them to understand what the key area, uh, key areas are, where they are failing, why they're failing and uh, how to understand, to put that into place when they're correcting their own driving on lessons, even if it's with themselves or with an instructor, uh, the key main areas to look out for. Right. Um, so just, just, just following on, from for interrupting you actually in, in in terms of your own career so you're back teaching now and you've learned so much from from the road safety authority in terms of marking and guidelines and that's exactly why we want to, to have this chat today right so really that's very good huge huge experience um so can i ask okay so so i've got some questions that people you know i put it out there earlier about um some questions that pupils have that have failed a test. Okay. So I'll go through the questions at the end. Right. But for now, what I want to talk about, and, and you can, you can, you know, elaborate as much as you want on this. Let's go with five most obvious failing points in your experience. Right. Um, and let's, let's drill down into the sections on the marking sheet, you know, the marking template sheet that, that, and by the way, Audrey, the marking guidelines, right? Who makes up them guidelines? Is it that department of the transport or does it come down to the RSA or or, or who, where do they come from? Um, the marking guidelines. I suppose, yeah, um, yeah it, it, it is the RSA, but it, like it has come down from the department of transport, transport. over the yeah. years, you know, and okay. now there is a team in the RSA that is charged with this and, you know, keeping it, up to date keeping it relevant so that would mm -hmm. be reviewed you know and there's a team then that would be set to review that um they would all be experienced testers and right okay as move up kind of supervisors and examiners uh, area managers and that kind of thing so right so let me talk about the marking sheet for a second right just so that uh, if you know if pupils don't know so basically throughout the marking sheet you've got three grades grade one grade two and grade three and in the color format grade one is green grade two is blue and grade three is pink all right so overall then um throughout the sheet on the test if you get eight grade twos throughout the sheet it's a pass it's just barely a pass okay but still a pass nonetheless if they get nine or more it's a fail it, overall if they get four in one aspect across in a row that's a, a a fail or six in one section so let's say somebody got four in a row for observation moving off that would be enough to fail them right then or if they got six in one section on observation that's also a fail because it's a continuous issue that they've got in an overall capacity for observation isn't that right that's right yeah Right. So look, look, let's go with, uh, and one in the pink, of course, is the disqualification, breaking a red light, stopping in a yellow box, hitting the curb, whatever, right? So can I ask you then, in your experience, Audrey, number one, what would be the main issue that kept coming back while you were testing um, on the marking sheet or on the actual test itself? Let's talk about that. The number one, the most popular yeah. Oh, um, God, 
Reaction to hazards, observation. For for me, for my for when I was testing, what I noticed was coming up, and um, the highest, um, yeah. for me was position on roundabouts. Position on roundabouts, very good. Okay, okay. The main thing. Students find roundabouts very complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, I suppose it's multitasking level expert when you're coming to roundabouts. You have mm-hmm. to control the vehicle. You have to decide which way you want to go. And then you have to react to what's happening on that. And you're doing it pretty much all at the same time. And I find yeah. that's the most complicated for, for the students. Um, I suppose if you go back a little bit further, if they don't maintain good control of the vehicle, they're coming in too quick. Mm-hmm. So they, when they do get there, they haven't time to pick the correct position. And then they end up kind of stopping and that kind of flusters them. And then they're looking to see what's happening, but they're more worried about where they are in the middle of the road and start panicking. Yeah. So if you come back, really, the first thing is your vehicle controls. So if yeah. you control yourself coming in, you can decide then where you want to go. You put your attention onto your position. Even mm. if the position isn't correct, once you're coming in and you're coming in controlled, you can adjust that if you need to. Yeah. I find on the marking sheet, there is reference to roundabouts nearly in every section. So position the vehicle correctly at roundabouts. Take proper observation at roundabouts. Use your mirrors properly at roundabouts. Give correct signal at roundabouts. Maintain reasonable progress at roundabouts. And what I find, right, myself, is that people look at the roundabout instead of the road markings on the way in to the roundabout, right, and can take up the wrong position sometimes, first of all, because they haven't even checked to see what lane should I be in. It may be an unusual roundabout like the one at the Tala Hospital where normally you would approach in the left lane, but that's now for entrance into the hospital and, and ambulances, and they've switched that lane to the right to the right lane, okay? And, of course, people on a test just go straight down into the left lane uh, incorrectly, right? So so definitely, yeah, roundabouts. But going back to your point about what I find is that they've got too much work to do right at the entry to the roundabout, and it all breaks down. They can't cope. They're trying to change gears, steer, look, all at the same time. And as you said, the vehicle control goes out the window because they're rushing to get everything done because they haven't been organized prior to uh, meeting the roundabout would you would you would you find that the same i do yeah um but i suppose the great thing about the driving test and i would say this to my students is you know exactly what you're going to be asked going into this exam you mm. have a fair idea of where you're going to go and the roads you're going to use Mm-hmm. If you were coming, for example, from because I I wouldn't know Tala, we're we're from the country, we're down in in Carlo. So if I arrived to car to Tala for a driving test and I've never been there, then I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. But most of the people that come to an area for the driving test should have experience. Mm-hmm. They should have practiced and driven around the area before the test. So there's yeah. no excuse really for them going into the wrong lane. For example, that that roundabout position and going in, because we have a couple of them here as well. But like if you don't know your area, mm-hmm. you're, you're 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 poorly prepared. And yeah. you know exactly what's what you're going to be asked because it's available. You know, the marking guidelines are there. If you have a good instructor, you might be able to do some pre-tests in the area. 
you yeah. know so like if if students are failing you know if, if fail to prepare prepare to fail yeah no 100% it's like uh, any uh, exam you, you have yeah. to put the work in yeah I agree 100% so so position at roundabouts okay now what about some of the questions that come back when we talk about it reaction to hazards now this 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 kind of this confuses instructors, never mind pupils, right? So reaction to hazards, there's not much on the marking sheet except four in a row and two pings, right? Reaction to hazards, if you could explain um, to people, to pupils or our listeners, basically, what is that? I know it's very broad, right? But what, just give people some kind of an idea of why you'd get a mark for reaction to hazards. Okay, so every section is looked at position observation mirrors most um sections are covered on a route the reaction to hazards is that little bit that's left over that doesn't fit into any other section okay okay so most things could be um they they have a section for that and this is all part of your training your tester training it's a very intensive uh course it's i think it's seven weeks um, and it's full time, do you know, it's, and there's an mm. awful lot of, of training goes into it, plus what you do yourself outside of that. So for that section, it's what doesn't fit in anywhere else would be mm-hmm. a reaction. Um, but I suppose if you look at you want to be uh, the student wants to show that they're a competent driver and they can drive with care. So they have the knowledge, the skills and the attitude to deal with hazard safety. If all those aren't ticked and something happens on the road. That's where that mark is going. For example, a car in front slowing down quite quickly. If the student keeps a little bit of distance back from that and reacts to what they see, then they'll be able to deal with the situation. If for some reason the student is following too close or he's not paying attention, um, then he's not reacting. He's not reading the road ahead. So they've actually added in um, anticipation to hazards as well. So you have two sections there. You have the reaction to what happens and the anticipation of danger of, or of something that's going to happen. And as a learner driver, they, they tend to be a little bit slow to react. Um, even though they might say, yeah, I saw that. It, it, the message wasn't getting, say, from the head down to the feet or to the steering to, to deal with that and to deal with it safely so that nobody else is put in, in danger for whatever, you know, such mm. as a car quite quickly in front. Um, I suppose one, one, something that I would always say when I'm, when I'm teaching is you'll hear a lot of people going, oh, he came out of nowhere. And we, mm. we hear that all the time. Mm. But really, if you're looking, if you're taking in, most of the time people don't appear out of nowhere. You know, yeah, okay, it does happen. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't. It's just the student isn't getting enough information. They're not looking far enough ahead to be able to deal with a situation as it arises. You can't do that if you're still worrying about your clutch or your speed or checking, mm. looking the wrong way. At, for example, checking your mirrors when you should be looking ahead. Yeah. You know, that, that leads to reaction. And so is that a reaction mark or mirror, mirror mark, Audrey? So what, what you look at is the overall situation. So you're not double marked. You look at the mm-hmm. cause of 
the mark or what what has actually happened. So there's cause and effect. So mm-hmm. for for example, um, if my student had to hit the brakes quite quickly at a pedestrian crossing and ended up on the crossing, that wouldn't be um, road markings or uh, uh, traffic controls pedestrian crossings. That would be maybe a reaction to hazards um, because they didn't see the pedestrian come. So you're not going to, the, the cause was they were driving too fast. Right. So, you know, one thing leads to another. So you have to, there could be three or four different things that are happening and you have to go back to the original cause of the fault. So maybe if they were driving too fast or not looking where they're going or start to change gear and start to look down at the gear stick, you know, you have, you have to see what caused it. And you're trying mm-hmm. to do that while looking at the road and hoping that, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't have to pull the handbrake or something like that, you know? Yeah. So as, uh, as an instructor, it's, it's easier because we learn to, to watch the roads and we look after the student, but the testers don't do that. It's mm. up to the student to show that they're capable of driving independently. They're not watching as much of the road. They're more so watching the student. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. the difference. I suppose some some of the marks that are most common that I know from from over the years um, would be so you get you know you get the assessment sheet you get the marking sheet off of people who has failed and they've come to you to say look I, I this is my sheet and you'd see uh, four in a row for reaction right so they're either doing a couple of things first off checking their blind spot just before taking a left or right turn, checking over the shoulder. Either they were told to do that by the previous instructor or they've picked it up online somewhere, but they're coming in to take the left turn. Just just at the point of turn, they're turning around, going over the left shoulder, right? So so, so that's the mark for reaction, the reaction that has it there. Would that be correct? Well, they're not taking forward observation, yeah. So they're not looking where yeah. they're going. So it's important okay. to look in the direction of movement. Yeah. So if another you're moment, forward, you're looking in front. If you're reversing, you're looking behind. Another one would be the ramps. Hitting the ramps at 30 or 40 kilometers, way too fast, coming back a lot as well as a, as a reaction mark, yeah? Okay, yeah. Well, that's that's very simple. You know, did they, they didn't see it? Or after the first one, did they not realize and react to what, what the height mm. of the ramp is? Mm. You know, and I, you- wouldn't, I wouldn't expect a student to hit the same thing twice. You know, if mm. they hit the first rampart, I wouldn't expect them to hit the second rampart. And if yeah. they did, well, then I'm marking them again because they've made the, mista- the same mistake twice. Yeah. And that's times or four times. That's, that's down to con- Yeah. <laughs> that, but that's down to control as well because, again, some students are, are, are not as developed in, in the practical um, gear work. So they yeah. find it hard to get up the speed, get up the gear, and then back down maybe for two because it's a, it's a high ramp or it's a cobble lot ramp, and they need second. So their 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 coordination and timing is off. So they either hit it too fast or they've slowed down too early on the approach to the ramp. You know, and that's again somebody presenting who's not fully ready, really. You know, exactly. That 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 was my next question. Has that person not driven that road before they came into the exam? Yeah. So they're not yeah. they're not adequately prepared. Yeah, and and sometimes people get look look. There's different types of ramps, right? There's the cobble lot ramps that are very high within the estates. Then there's the tarmac ramps, which are bus bus ramps, which are not so high. So you can't take each ramp at the same speed, like you know, because in internally in the housing estates, they t- and then you've got the cushion ramps as well, right? So they tend to either 
get it in consistently speed-wise for, for each ramp and where they would have had an easy ramp on the previous attempt, visually they should see, this looks a bit higher, I better slow down a little bit for this one, but they don't, you know. So again, it's down to on-road experience and knowledge of the area. Yeah, well, I have to say, I, I know exactly what you're talking about there because um, as part of the tester training, you have an advanced driving test where mm. you're assessed by two of the testers, um, senior testers, area supervisors. So right. I actually had that because I wouldn't be familiar with Tala. Mm. I had the two testers in the car and all these ramps. <laughs> yeah. And I did find it very hard. I just felt I wasn't making progress there, you know. But yeah. you have two options. You can either take your time going over the ramp and risk a progress mark or mm. hit, hit it quite hard and, yeah. and you know, get a reaction. So you have to kind of pick your pick your faults, you know, what, yeah. what's going to be the lesser of, of the two. But, you know, it's it's to keep good control of the car, you know. And as you move on to bigger vehicles, uh, buses or trucks, you know, if you have loads, if you've, you have trailers, it leads on. You know, like we have our ADT just for cars. And as you mm-hmm. start to move on, then the training is a little bit less, you know. So you have yeah. to have a good standard to pass the driving test in Ireland. And remember, yeah. it's a European driving license. You know, it's yeah. going to allow you to drive in countries um, across Europe. Yeah, and you know, what I find when you'd have somebody and you're assessing them, right? So, and especially a new enough driver. So they're, they're, when you're taking a left or a right turn, you're turning into essentially a new frame, if you like, like, you're, like a picture on your phone. It's a new picture of what's, in front of you okay so you've got to scan that area that full area as far as you can see to see okay what's my problems here now on this road that i'm turning into is there bikes is there pedestrians is there kids is there parked cars and you've got to have that ability to process that information and tell the car what you're going to do based on what you see but what i find is uh, they take the turn and they're looking two meters in front or three meters in front at the car that's in front of them and not dealing with the further horizon picture. Do you get me? So, so the ability to predict what's happening up ahead based on what you've seen as early as you can see it is where, where, where pupils are going wrong because, and, and like in Tala, for example, you've got, you've got complex Lewis intersections, right? And when you turn left, there's a, there's a myriad of 20 different sets of traffic lights, Right. Not knowing which one is for me or which set is for who. And I say to them, if you look at the road marking, that's the first thing you're going to see is which lane you've got to take. Right. Never mind. And they're sort of turning, looking at the lights, getting confused, coming in. Not So what, what, which is my lane? So have a look at the road marking. Do you get me? So that's just inexperience. And it's just down to, well, instructing the people to, to, to view the road and see what are the problems that you're seeing up ahead and how you're going to deal with them. But, but sometimes the newer, newer inexperienced drivers don't have that time to process because they're still trying to battle with control of the car, you know? Yeah. And I suppose that's where EDT comes, um, comes into play, but there's also uh, work in progress. I suppose the EDT should be 12 hours compulsory for, for beginners. And hopefully at the end of that, um, you'd have a good basic knowledge of, of control um, of the vehicle and where where to position yourself. But that's not enough for everybody. And at no. the moment, people think that 12 hours, um, oh, I'll do my 12 and I'll do, I'll do my test. Mm. But it's not about that because everybody learns at different rates. And yeah. what, what some per- 
people might learn in 12 hours is going to take somebody else 30, 40, 50 hours. You know, yeah. so it's it, this is just your basics and to see how you get on. And, you know, like you definitely need to be capable of independent driving and decision making, mm. basically under pressure as well, you mm. know, to be classed as um, a competent driver. And that's what yeah. the test, the tester is looking for. Yeah. Um, and I suppose our our test routes are between maybe five and eight or nine kilometers. Some of them are a little bit longer, obviously, kind of down the country and that to give you enough um, obstacles, I suppose, to, to come across. But the test itself is actually quite short, really, in the grand scheme of things. Mm. You're, you're mm. between 25 or 35 to 45 um minutes to to complete your test which is is very mm. little really you know yeah. like and it's not it's not um flawless either you know it depended on the time of the day on the test route you take mm. um it's it's very hard for everyone to get the same test yeah. so i suppose the the supervisors come down and the the regional managers come down and assess the test routes yearly Mm. You know, they also take, and I suppose we don't really think about this. The testers are watching these routes constantly, um, and you know where something becomes kind of, I would say, too simple, or becomes yeah. quite difficult. Um, if there's any building work or any any change in in the roads, that's that's brought to their attention, and the route is reassessed. So it's not just about the tester sitting in going around the same route and, and kind of hoping for the best. They're, they're watching. And mm. believe it or not, like we like to see as testers, we like to see people pass the test. It's a lot easier mm. for us to give someone good news than bad news. Yeah. Know? And, you know, it's hard. It's hard work for testers to, um, to, yeah. to try and create that rapport with people without being over friendly or rude. Yeah. Give the information to the student. Try and put them at ease because that's what you're told on your training. Mm. You know, you have to create that rapport with people. You, you, your demeanor, your your greeting, the customer care, and the procedures—they all have to be um, checked. They have to be in line, and they have to be adhered to. And most test centers have more than two or three testers in it. So, like, you're working as a team as well. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you are, you know, you are being a part of a, a team there and your 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 manner and your uh what's the word um how you get on is being assessed you know like usually about once a month you'll have a, a supervisor will come down and sit in on a couple of lessons with, or tests uh with you and you're assessed on that it's recorded you know you have you're given a debriefing at the end and if there's something that you're not doing right or if there's something you missed or overmarked on you're pulled up on it do you know, it's constantly being checked. Supervised like, as well, yeah. Supervised, yeah. In in the year that I was there, I think I had uh, 13 uh, check tests, you know. Wow. You, you get them about once a month. So even though that could be maybe two in a day or three in a day, but the, the supervisor comes down, he goes out with all the students, all the testers, especially as, a, I suppose, a novice tester for the first year or two, you're constantly mm -hmm. checked. Um. After that, I'm not really sure, but they, they do come down. They do. Um, I just don't know the frequency of, of the check. Yeah. Test. So, you know, it's not like you get the job and you sit in there and you can kind of do what you like Andy. for yeah. the next 20 years. It's not. You're monitored constantly. 
you know, and RG- and are dealt with very seriously as well as um, if you have compliments, <laughs> some people good. might actually, you know, send in a good review of, of you. That happened to me once. Well, so you were very popular in Nate. I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, but, that's but listen, just me. I, I just want to quickly talk, go back to something that you mentioned there, because it's a discussion that I've had recently with Dan Ty there from Wexford, who has, he's the biggest YouTube. He's got, he's oh, got yeah, 5 million, yeah, 5 million views on his, and it's about this, right? So as you said, the 12 lesson sentiment is in the younger driver's mind. Okay. Two 12 lessons, I'd be grand, right? And I had this recently, right? That in Poland, for example, right? The qualification process to, to sit the test, never mind even pass the test, is, is 30 hours theory and 25 practical in-car hours, right? And in Germany, it's similar. It's 30 practical and 30 uh, theory hours, right? And it costs about two and a half thousand euro to get that. For, but the Germans take it really serious because that's part of school uh, curriculum as well, road safety, right? But we have this thing over, over, over here that 12 is the mark, you know? 12 is the, is, is the lessons that I need. And by the way, uh, the statistics are it takes 40 to 45 hours on-road experience in car. Not lessons, but on the road, in the car, to pass a driving test with ease, right? So if you're anywhere on the 12-hour, 14, 16, 18, because another thing is that they think that it's, I must do the 12 EDT and that's it. But you can do, you can do two or three hours pre-EDT to get your control you know, organized before you start the process. You can do support or filler lessons in between um, so that your, your level is, is, is high enough. But we've got a problem over here in this country from the point of view that uh, they're trying to get it done as cheaply as they possibly can. I only had a, my last chat with Kalyan um, Brennan there recently, right, was, was she actually went with the cheapest options on two occasions for herself, right, and found out that it didn't work. Really, she had a, a, a woefully traumatic experience, right? So she came, she came to, 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 the, to the school, completely changed her, her whole mindset of what it was. Um, so, so the younger generation, I just want to get it, make it clear to them that it's not just about 12 hours. That's a basic starter course, basically. You can't pass a test with the 12 hours. And even the parents are saying, oh, no, well, she's done her 12 lessons, so she's just going to go. In actual fact, I had I had a young, young guy who has failed three tests since Christmas, right? Now, I do feel sorry for him because he doesn't have a car to practice on. He, at the same time, doesn't have money to take to, to spend on, on, on filler lessons or support lessons, right? So I'm saying to him, look, there is no point in using this school car to try and pass a test that you're not practically ready for, but just kind of won't listen. The, the current climate has him really, you know, um, passionate about needing to pass the test. I need to get the job. I need to do this and putting pressure on you to actually use the car, you know? So I had to tell him, look, you've spent 400 euro here on hiring a car that you're not ready to put it into your training. Like, you know, and I don't know what you find, but that's rampant across the country. As far as I can see, in terms of not being at the level and presenting for a driving test on top of the RSA sending out quick tests to people now on top of them, not being ready. What do you, what do you see on that? Yeah, I think um, the instructors don't really get enough of a say um, to, to, I suppose, sign off on whether somebody is ready for test. Mm. And I think testers would appreciate it a lot more if they knew that people were of a certain standard coming in. Testers don't know 
what they're going to get when somebody comes in. You have people that have been driving years, you have people with no experience. Um, but like you said, people aren't willing to spend the money on the lessons or even listen to what the instructors are telling them. And then on, on the flip side of that, um, if an instructor says, yeah, you're good, that's brilliant, you're good to go, you'll have no problem passing the test. If the student doesn't pass the test, then it's the instructor's fault, you know, because my instructor said I was ready. So um, that, that was a big thing um, that I noticed over the last couple of years. Um, and, and it's not fair to blame the instructors either because the instructors aren't taking the test. It's the student. Mm. You know, and it, uh, you, I think sometimes the student thinks it's somebody else's fault when they don't pass the, the test, yeah. but it's actually they're in, it's up to them how they perform. And I've also noticed that the, the testers will give you um, a little bit of feedback and mm-hmm. um, it's just highlighting one or two of the areas that need a little bit of work or a lot of work. They're not instructors. They're just giving you a little bit of feedback um, for a little bit of tips and advice, something that you may need to work on that will help you maybe the next time. But yeah. that that wasn't always the case because they used to give feedback. Then they got so much given you know, bad feedback from it. They stopped giving feedback. Then they got criticized for not giving feedback. So now they give a little bit. But um, usually... What, what you do is read from the back of the sheet. So, for example, if it was um, position, you got, you're getting faults on position. If you turn to the back of your feedback sheet, your dri- driving test feedback form, the sections are there. And usually the tester will point to that section and give you, say, this is what you need to work on. So, for example, you have position. In normal driving, maintain correct position on the straight, on bends and within traffic lanes. So it's giving you that. But... I suppose when the student gets the bad news, they they zone out a little or they do the exact opposite. First of all, they don't listen to you and then they go back out and they don't they don't know why they failed. Or second of all, they take too literally what the tester has said to them. And that's that's all they can hear. You know that oh, it was I only failed on my position on the straight. Everything else was fine. But when you get the test, when you get the marking sheet back, there's marks all over it for different things. But they didn't hear that. They were only focusing on one area in, in specific, you know. So um, the, that couple of minutes between the end of the test and when the, the student gets back to the instructor, everybody is different with that. Some take it to the letter and some have no idea what, what's after happening. And again, that's an individual thing. And it's it's nothing to do with the testers. The testers are giving you some feedback. Um, yeah, it's more of it's more kind of to be mannerly than to actually yeah. give any instruction. Now I know mm. in my experience because I was an instructor, and nobody else was in the test center that I was working. They didn't have that experience. That mm. I would spend a little bit of time just saying, "Look, this is a good idea. Maybe try this," but. I would always go back and say, go back to your instructor. You know, you this mm-hmm. these are the basics. You need to work on this. And always refer them back to their instructor. But yeah. I suppose if, if students fail, they don't want to go back to their instructor. And we know instructors are all at different levels and some care and some don't. But mm. um, the majority are trying to help you 
to to get through because it's good for them it's good for everybody you know yeah. everyone's achieving if, if the student is passing but right brilliant. the student has to take responsibility as well yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Look, I want to go through um, some of the questions that, that have come in, right? So there's a Michael from Finglas, right? He's asked, he says, can you ask Audrey, do you stop at the stop, do, the, do you stop at the stop line or is it the, bon- the front of the bonnet stops at the line? Which is it? So I think what he means there is if the wheels are at the line, it means the front of the car is past the stop line. So what's, yeah. what's, what's best? Okay, so it depends on how big your bonnet is. So if you're <laughs> driving a van and the van is flat, then, yeah. you know, it's not a problem. But if you have a BMW with a big, long bonnet on it, mm. you know, the, I suppose the thing is to stop behind the line, stop the bonnet behind the line, and then you right. keep and creep moving out and your observation then. Um, if you can imagine, if your bonnet's going out over the line and you have a cyclist or a car that's driving very close, um, on the main road there that you're stopping for, you're not leaving any room for clearance. So really look at the size of your car and then, you know, peep and creep. And would that be a grade three for um, not stopping, for complying with road markings? Could be. Um, if there's oncoming traffic, there has to be a danger there. Mm. Do you know? Um, if I know that if you stop too far back, that's progress on the straight. Mm-hmm you know, that you're too far yeah. back behind the line. Um, so that can, th- there's two areas there. So progress on the straight is that you're not keeping up with the flow of traffic, you know, that maybe you're doing, say, 40 in an 80 zone. That's progress on the strip. But so is stopping way too back, far back behind the line. So you're talking about at least a car length. Mm. You know, now yeah. if you come out over the line well that could also be a reaction because you didn't see the road markings and you went out too far right so the, the message is so just not before the line well yeah <laughs> right um so elaine and Nay says our test our testers consistent i got 14 grade twos on my first test i got 16 grade twos on my second and they were all different marks so consistency yeah, well, I presume we're, it's we're a, with a different test. Yeah. We're all given the same training. I, I, as a tester, have had the same students come in um, definitely twice and has completely different mistakes. I don't remember who that student is, first of all. You have so many people, you don't, you don't remember. You're just assessing, you're going by your marking guidelines. So whatever they do on the day is what you're marking. You, you don't make up marks. You know, she obviously made different mistakes at different times. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, we're all trained the same. The marking sheet is the same. The rules what I are find, the same. What I find is that they focus on the areas that they went down on the, on the first test and then they haven't been overall. practicing overall and then they get marked in yeah. the areas that they, you know, on the second time. Yeah. Um, so, Michael, in... Do testers? Uh, all right. <laughs> do testers have attitudes going out on the test? Mine was like a dog, and I, I was, I was, <laughs> I was, she, I, I was, I can't say it, but he was very nervous okay. before he even left the car park. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, well. First of all, students are different coming in. They can yeah. be absolutely bricking it, or they can be like cool as a breeze, you know. And you have that level with people. 
So whatever way you are, you're going to be hypersensitive. Like if you're if you're nervous, you're going to notice absolutely everything from the tester. And when you're so nervous like that, you don't hear what they're saying to you. You know, so if you have, I suppose, I don't know if I should say this as a um, as a tester, um, I'm friendly anyway. That's just my personality. That's 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 me. So, you know, I'd always be talking to people going in now. Hi, how are you? You know. Mm. in whatever um some people aren't friendly that's just that's just the way they are you know they're not going to be over friendly there's always that one person that's in the post office that you just don't want to go to because they've a head on and i suppose (laughs) i can't say that for for testers but people have different personalities but when you have people coming in constantly and it's you hear the same thing oh i'm very nervous oh i'm very nervous um and yeah okay yeah yeah we know everybody's very nervous yeah but you hear that but after a while you do and and i'm sorry for saying this but you do become immune to it yeah you know you're like okay here's another one that's very nervous the last guy that was nearly very nervous nearly killed us because he didn't stop and drove out in front of do you know what i mean yeah like yeah there's there's different levels and um you have to have a little bit of a thicker skin um, it works both ways. You know, people do come in with attitudes. People come yeah. in um, trying to take over the test and um, kind of, it, it's strange. It is strange when you, you get a student that comes in that's bossy. You yeah. know, it's, it's unusual. So yeah. for, for the easiest thing for testers is when we all work off the same sheet. All yeah. the uh, preambles are the same, which means we give you the same spiel. We're saying, this is what you're going to do. Um, have you any questions? No. Right, go and do it. And we leave it. That's why there's no chit-chat. That's why you you give the direction or you give the information and then you let the student go on to deal with it. And you just sit there. So really, the the tester doesn't take a huge part. They sit back and they just let you get on with it. You know, and that's yeah. unusual for students because usually most of the instructors, when you get in, we we, we talk you to death. You know, we never yeah. stop. It's <laughs> constant. You know, yeah, and you know, and we're giving you praise, and we're we're saying how good you are doing this, and how much you've improved, and this is great, and it's all going to be fine. And that's that's our way of teaching. You know, and it, when when you go into testing, then um, you don't get that feedback. You're expected to know. And I think it's hard for the student to kind of go, oh, we're driving in silence. Oh, okay. Well, he's looking at me now and I feel like he's looking at me or she's looking at me. Yeah, <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, that's where mock tests come in very good. Yeah, I you agree. Know, um, where the student isn't allowed to speak. And mm-hmm. I've, I've done that since I came back. And that was one of the areas that I'm glad I got to work on. Um being a talker it was very hard for me to learn to shut up <laughs> mm. and just let the student get on with it and um, sometimes they find that the fact that you're not talking to them means you have a problem with them and and it's not yeah we're assessing you we're letting you get on with it you know um, yeah. and on a mock test and and testers are the same on test they need to be quiet they need to be watching you yeah. they're not watching the road they're not watching what's happening yeah, a hundred percent. That's not what they're there for. Your yeah. that's your job and as that's, a student. That's very important. You're in charge. 
And I'll tell you why the timing of that is very important, because when anybody calls up our school or calls, calls me up and says, my test is tomorrow or, or my test is in two days time. What, what I'm trying to do with them is say, OK, look, let me assess your driving, first of all. See, see the customer gets mixed up. Uh, I want a mock test. I want a pre-test. But what, what is a pre-test? What is a mock test? Right? There's no point in giving you a mock test if your driving is awful to start off with, right? So what I do is I get yeah. them in and I assess them and I say, OK, look, here's the, the top five areas you're weakest on, right, that the tester will have the biggest issue with. So we fix them. Could be an hour, could be two hours, whatever it is. And then what I say to them is that, look, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to do a mock test, which is going to put you under pressure. It's going to show me how you're dealing with that pressure so that we can fix it before your actual real test. And that is something that should be done uh, two or three days before the, the, the actual test. But before that, the remedial action on fixing their driving should be done actually ever before that mock test, you know? And then they say, yeah, right, okay. And it shows me, right, look, you're, you're, you're not checking fully over the right shoulder. That's a side swipe. That's not full checked. So that's a problem, right? You're not stopping at your junctions because stopping properly, fully, right? It highlights many things, Arjun, that, that from instructing them over and over and over, you don't see that because you're telling them what to do, you know? So 100%. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, you're right. Mock test is. And that's why it, it's, yeah, it's so important. And it's so important to get with someone you're not familiar with. You know, yeah. I work with my dad sometimes. Yeah. So I'll ask him, go on, take, take this guy out or one of the other instructors in the area. I'll just say, look, you, you, you need to go with someone else. And the feedback, you know, we're, we're most of us are working on the same sheet. Yeah. Most of the instructors. Yeah. You know, and it's important to have that rapport uh, with your colleagues, even though we're not working together as a company. You need to be able to speak and ask questions, you know, and, you know, that, that's the thing. It's ask the question. Some fairly Even poor ones now. That you, that, you, that you expect, you know. There's some fairly poor ones now as well, but sure, we won't we won't dwell on that aspect, you know. But do your homework, yeah, basically. So, so, Argy, listen, it was really... Listen, I, I can't thank you enough, right? Um, it's been very insightful for me to to talk to you um, about all things really in terms of the driving test. Um, if if people need to contact you, where 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 can what can they where can they contact you? Okay, so by email is Coogan Driving School at gmail .com. Yep. and I'm on Facebook. Then it's Audrey Coogan Driving Instructor. Right. Okay, and they, and they're on Facebook as well, and you've got Instagram and so on. So so listen, thanks so much i really really appreciate that right um and next time hopefully we can we can drill into some other topic um that maybe you know pupils are finding an aspect of the test we could talk again is that all right brilliant look forward Listen, to it. Thanks, thanks so much thanks a million see you now bye, bye. Really fantastic insight there into how a former RSA driving tester, Audrey Coogan, sees reasons why people are failing the test and how to prevent yourself from making them same mistakes. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll chat again soon.